Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. You're listening to DraftKings Network. Welcome, Welcome to, to Golik and Smitty. I'm Mike Golik. I'm Jessica Smetana. Welcome to another edition of Golik and Smetty. Mike Golik Sr. here. She is Jess Smetana. Uh, Jess, uh, back again we are, but this time I'm from a different site. I'm back at uh, in Arizona, so it's a little earlier here than normal. And we just went through the daylight saving time, which I hate. I mean, I hate because you have to remember you're falling back spring and forward, though the seasons usually help that. But now it gets so dark so early. It's dark early and it's light early, which is good when I have to go into work early because, you know, you, you're you an early riser also. Yeah. It's, it's easier to get up when the sun's out. But, like, last night during Monday Night Football, I was in bed at halftime. I was it, – it was it was night-night for me. Yeah. Uh, I, can't, I can't stay up late and wake up early. That's just not going to happen. But, like, Daylight Savings totally wrecked me this weekend. I was at a wedding in Boston – and thought, okay, like, is, this is great. I'll get an extra night, uh, an extra right, hour of right. sleep after the wedding. So we can go out and like have fun and then get an extra hour, wake up and still be, you know, somewhat re- well rested, fly back and then work on Monday. Instead, I went to bed Saturday night, not that late, like 1230, one o'clock, woke up Sunday morning at 6am and was just wide awake completely like wide awake no shot i was gonna fall back asleep and then that was it so i've just been exhausted now for like 48 hours so you don't like being wide awake early huh i see i dig but i you're right i guess i spent a lot of my life that way whether getting up to go to football or or radio what am i gonna do in boston at 6 a.m wide awake my my boyfriend's still asleep nothing's open maybe it's a sunday i don't like live in boston get up and go take a jog how about that jess no um bake uh a baked good i was in a hotel mike i'm not gonna bake something but you know your point is valid i will say one thing that's kind of insane about miami is that like there's a ton of coffee shops here they're all really great great coffee 95 percent of them open after 8 30 in the morning why i don't understand three hours to like it makes no sense starbucks is one of the only coffee shops open before 7 a.m here it boggles my mind because i mean aren't people going earlier there i mean are the streets crowded i mean is it i don't i don't understand they they obviously are doing it based on experience on they're not getting enough customers early enough but that surprises me this past week has been a big week for my household we made a purchase last week mike that i i think you'll be as excited about as as i have been okay we got an air fryer. Oh. And I just used it for the first time. I kind of wish I had gotten it two years ago. I'm surprised it took you, for someone who loves cooking and baking, that that it took you this long to get one. The reasoning, and I, I'm not surprised that you love yours, because like I'm guessing you just pop in like frozen pizza rolls and stuff like that, and they're ready in like- How do you minutes? know I'm not popping in like that? salmon or chicken or something that's healthy for me? Why does it have to be pizza rolls? fair um because it just seems like your your type of snack 
I mean, the reason we haven't gotten one is because my boyfriend grew up in New York City. He's very anti-appliances. Really? No room for them? Grew up with a, without, yeah, yeah, without any room to put them. Um, but he moved to Miami like a year ago. And I was like, now we have counter space. We're going to get a coffee maker. We're going to get an air fryer. We're going to get a microwave, a stand mixer. <laughs> he has a okay. microwave. That's like the one All appliance right. he had in New York. But it's great. And now we have we have an instant pot. And this has just like added a whole new dimension to my my repertoire in the kitchen now. I just watched toast get toasted. We got one of those like oven ones, not like. The oh, yeah, ones. yeah. I just watched it for like five minutes i just stood there and stared at it and i mean it, it's not like it took any shorter of an amount of time as like a regular toaster because it's just i'm just using now, it as a toaster but it was now amazing. is lee any good in the kitchen oh my god lee is like a professional chef oh like, lee catches fish and will like bring a fish home and like gut it and seriously it and like fry it yeah oh he's a oh i didn't cook. know yes. that like, yes we have a whole like we have a whole thing here like he cooks i bake we have people over i'll make a pie he'll make some like you know wow big thing for them it's yeah we got a system. that's impressive so this is a very exciting time this is an exciting week for us a little different than the college days huh when when the when the big news is you got an air fryer i wish i had one of these in college i would have not been eating slop in the dining hall like three meals a day i would have been able to eat so much better if i just had. isn't an it amazing uh, and it doesn't take long a after college for you to realize my god i don't i can't stay out late anymore and i can't i can't go out like that anymore Never. and b yeah. Boy, it'd have been nice if we ate well while we were in college, which which is basically an impossibility <laughs> to do. It is definitely. I mean, I, I felt that for sure this weekend because I was a like really looking forward to the time change, which is something that is just very uh, geriatric <laughs> in nature. Yeah. I think just to, <laughs> oh my god, daylight savings, how how wonderful! Like that's not something I ever thought about or considered in my early and mid twenties, and now it is. But also after a wedding, there's always like that. 10 minute like should we go to a second bar kind of thing after like the reception and like the after party ends and like my boyfriend and i were both like we're going to bed we don't even we're not even gonna think about it like all of his friends went out and we were like let's just not say goodbye to anyone and go to sleep i found it being more and my son jake would do this when you used to go out all the time and then you don't want to go out anymore there's a lot more irish goodbyes where you don't you oh, don't yeah. say a word to anybody you just eh, and then boom you're gone yeah we were like we're gonna meet you guys out and then we just like went straight to the elevators we we're like we're gonna and go like back. nobody nobody cares anymore right they don't see you there and they're just like oh they just irish goodbye this you know so no no, no one no. cares so I i'm interested for you in the weekend of college football because you went to clemson for a year and then you finished at Notre Dame. And Notre Dame and Clemson played one another. So before we get to the game, I would imagine your allegiance was toward Notre Dame, but was there any pull at all to Clemson because you started there? No. So I used to root for Clemson after I left Clemson. I, I was still like a fan of Clemson because, hey, they were really, really good. And they were like the only team capable of beating Alabama. So I was a fan of Clemson for a few years until Notre Dame played them in the Cotton Bowl. And then... I went to that game and my full Notre Dame stuff, Notre Dame got stomped and I was like, all right, like the Clemson fandom's over. We're, we actually play Clemson enough now yeah. that I can't really have this like split thing. But then Clemson got so good that I was like, they don't need me. They don't yeah. need me to cheer for them. They're doing fine. Um, and that obviously has changed over the last two seasons. But no, I would say like I'm, I'm very firmly in the in the Notre Dame 
camp for for all things college athletics like it, Clemson I had a great time there it's a great school I'm sure a lot of Notre Dame fans went to tailgate this weekend and and got a really beautiful day as opposed to the last time Notre Dame played yeah. there in 2015 when there was a once in a century rainstorm yeah. that washed every all of us out but um I'm not I am no longer I am officially here declining any fandom in, in Clemson and we, uh, on the public record. We as Notre Dame alumni and fans uh, are completely past, unfortunately, in New Year's Six Bowl now. <laughs> if we could have won Clemson and then Wake Forest and then Stanford and been 10 2, you know, uh, the, the email came out for possible bowl games last week before the Clemson game. And, and there was an array <laughs> of bowl games from the Gator Bowl to – to the pinstripe bowl, to the Fiesta Bowl. So it was a number of, uh, of, of New Year's Six games to a number of non-New Year's Six games. So now that uh, got sliced down to non-New Year's Six games. That was, that was a tough one, Jess. I mean, the defense had been playing so well, did not in this game. The offense really hasn't found any traction in a few weeks. So it's, it's, been, it's been a bit of a bummer. It's hard. Like we, I think we both called it first of all last week because we were both like, you know, winning out is not not a given no. for Notre Dame, especially, you know, knowing up close the struggles that they've had. That maybe if if other people in the national media aren't watching like the Pitt game or even really closely watching the USC game, like Notre Dame's been able to score a lot of points on defense right. special teams and and uh, you know getting really great field position off of interceptions right. and things like that. Um, so this game. Uh, also, I think was a, a great example of how Clemson has had, I don't want to say bad luck because I think sometimes turnovers right, are right. not, especially fumbles, like they're not entirely luck, especially if you're terrible at, at turning the ball over consistently over a couple seasons, which Clemson has, has been. Um, but this was a game where they really didn't turn it over as much as they had been. And so that was not to Notre Dame's benefit at all. Um, and it's not a bad Clemson team. They, their record going into the game was four and four, but a couple of those games, right. especially the Duke game, where they fumbled and gave the ball up in the red zone several times, were not really indicative of the level of talent that they have. So like, it ended up being exactly the game that I thought it would be, which is like two struggling offenses right. and two pretty good defenses. And that was that was at least what the second half felt like. And Clemson gave Notre Dame so many chances to they score did. in that fourth quarter. And Notre Dame could no. not do anything. Sam Hartman threw a pick yeah. six. It was by far his worst game of the season. Um, but also Notre Dame, after the first quarter, wasn't able to get the run nope. game going. They weren't able to really have a solid O-line play, something that we saw back, you know, to the Louisville and the, and the Duke games a little bit. So really frustrating to watch, but... As soon as Tyler from Spartanburg called in to Dabo's radio show, I knew this is going to be an L for Notre Dame. The, Dabo's not going to lose after that. It just seemed that way, didn't it? I mean, I think so many Notre, Notre Dame fans were apprehensive about what the possibility was is we felt we were better than Clemson and then we should we beat Wake Forest and Stanford and we should be at 10-2 and two to kind of the jitters before that game. What What's your thought? on that on that whole Tyler from was it Spartanburg I think or wherever yeah. situation and, <laughs> yeah, and not so much him but just the general thought of and and I I understand what Dabo came back and said now you don't really want to do that a lot and and you know start to jump on a fan but that dude got them to so many playoff games and a couple of national titles and he got paid for it and he deserved to get paid for it. You know, that's what the market bared at that point, And he got paid for it. So 
I get him being a little frustrated and saying, I'm not going to apologize, for, you know, for what I make and the pay I get. And, and though where I thought he was off a little bit is saying, man, these fans' expectations sometimes are just too much. Well, that's what fans do. I mean, that's why it's short right. for fanatic. I mean, I remember my, my old buddy in the booth and, and longtime NFL player and coach Bill Curry, when he was a head coach at Alabama, he said, you wouldn't believe the amount of little old ladies that would berate me if we lost a game. You know, he said, it, it's yeah, just, like my yeah, grandma. I said, it's unbelievable. <laughs> so, so I, I get him justifying, <laughs> Hey man, we're okay. The year isn't what we're used to, but look what we've had, but not so much, you know, um, uh, you know, so, I guess some of the other things that went along with it of, of, you know, a, a fan is going to have his voice, let him have his voice. Sometimes you want to clap back. Sometimes it's better off. You don't. Yeah. Well, no fans are really rational no. ever. If you're asking a fan to be rational and, and completely justified in, in their thought process and, and reasoning and thinking, like, that's a silly endeavor. But I'm with you. Dabo has said so many wild things about, like, maybe we need to lose yeah, some more and get some people off the bandwagon yeah. that I get why. And I also, like, Clemson's problems are, like, very much... I think systemic and so for me like the fan base calling on like him to feel the pressure so he has to change some of his ways like use the portal more right, maybe right um like like their offensive coordinator hire they hired tcu's offensive coordinator uh garrett riley instead of promoting from within which is something that dabo has been doing for a lot of his career and a lot of the times it's worked sometimes it hasn't worked and so i think the fans want to put pressure on him to kind of to say like we expect you to win. You have won. You you were, I mean, Dabo was not a slam dunk hire right. when Clemson hired him, right? Like he was promoted right. from interim and there was very much a question mark about what he would do there. And he has like, without question, proven himself as a great head coach. But as we've seen college football change in the last few years, I think this is like the fandom as a whole being like, Dabo needs to also change a little bit yeah. or else we are going to be irrelevant again. And like Clemson fans are terrified of that. You don't want your championship run to end and it shouldn't. You've got, you've now had two, you know, five-star top of their class quarterbacks come into Clemson and not play well after you had the combination of Deshaun Watson and, and Trevor Lawrence be exceptional yep. at Clemson. So do you say Dabo whiffed on two recruits back to back or do you say something's going on there with the coaching staff that is not getting these guys to play to the level that players before them have. So I get the fans putting pressure on Dabo. I also understand Dabo being like, what, like, what right. more could I possibly do for, for you guys? Uh, <laughs> we've won two, yeah, we've won two national championships. I've put tons of guys in the NFL stills recruiting well, but obviously when you're, when you're four and four and now five and four, and, and I think this win takes yeah, a lot of I that agree. pressure off Dabo. Um, there's going to be tensions and I, maybe both sides are right in this case. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So before we jump on the field for a moment with the college football rankings that the first ones came out last week at the taping of this, the second ones will come out 
Tuesday night. We're taping this before that. Um, the Michigan situation. This it keeps getting more and more bizarre with the sign stealing going on. Um, and now the Big Ten has said, "Hey, get ready. We're probably going to discipline you." But the from what I've read, Jess, the discipline can only be a fine, which means nothing, or a coach's suspension. And the word going around is it would be a two-game suspension for Jim Harbaugh, which would do absolutely nothing. <laughs> and I'm not saying it should be a bigger uh, uh, discipline than that. So, But the Big Ten, because all the ADs called the commissioner and, and, and bitched and complained, okay, I'll do something, you know, Harbaugh, you're suspended for two games, which again, will mean nothing, but we still have the NCA investigation. And I'm not kidding when I say we'll get that result in probably 2026 for as slow as they move. Yeah. But just overall, kind of your thoughts of this whole sign stealing thing with Harbaugh. I, I just think that it's fascinating that college football is so ill-equipped to deal with seemingly the one thing that it should be able to deal with, which is rule-breaking that offers a competitive advantage to a team. Or maybe and you can argue whether it's a huge competitive advantage or not, but uh, the, the rules are that you can't go and scout games and electronically videotape the sideline to disseminate the signals and then go back to your own sideline and tell, right. tell the OC or the DC. And, that, and that's what Connor Stallions has been alleged to do. There's also lots of video evidence, according to, you know, various coaches and, and some stuff that's just on Twitter that we've all seen with our own eyes. So it's just fascinating to me how like college football has, is like a century plus old sport. And still, when it comes to the one thing that should be, these are the rules. This is what happens if you break them. We are just completely inept and clueless. I have absolutely no idea what the Big Ten commissioner will do about it. He see, he has to make, he, he's going to end up making everyone unhappy no matter what yeah. he does because you've got all these Big Ten head coaches that want one thing. You've got Harbaugh in Michigan, which is, you know, a huge brand in the Big Ten. One of their their ticket to the playoff this year, maybe one of two tickets if Ohio State ends up getting in two, depending on what happens to everyone else. But that's a money making opportunity for your conference. And tons of you know, Michigan has this like humongous passionate fan base that you don't want to piss off either. And so who who are you answering to now? Like, can you are you going to piss off the rest of all the Big Ten head coaches and and their fans and those? players and, and those schools and university presidents or are you going to piss off Michigan and also like a whole swath of people that think the entire thing is stupid to begin with so I have no idea that's this is why he gets paid the big bucks Mike because he's gonna have to make some sort of decision but it, I I'm just flabbergasted with how inept the entire I mean we saw it during yeah. COVID right we saw it the summer going into the COVID season 2020 when the conferences and the teams and the universities could not get on the same page everyone had a completely different idea of what was happening and what should happen and here we are again only with something that is far funnier because the guy's name is Connor Stallion oh I mean no doubt a, a porn name I mean made up it just it's somewhat ridiculous <laughs> but I, I mean again the only thing I read was fine or suspension that they didn't have the Big Ten didn't have any other power than that, because you know what the ADs of the other schools wanted. They wanted Michigan out of the postseason. And that's not going yeah. to happen because you're right. It's not good for the Big Ten. And that's what the commissioner is going to have his eye on is saying this isn't good for our conference. So it and we sit there and talk about sign stealing. I can talk about this from on the field, a practical application. 
of sign stealing, is it is it worth it? Everybody wouldn't be trying to do it if there wasn't some advantage. I'll tell you that yes, right now. That there was true. a great article <laughs> in The Athletic by a coach of a team that did not play Michigan, does not have him on their schedule, and talked about he's the guy for that team that steals the signs. And whenever we say steal the signs, it sounds illegal. But you're allowed to watch a game on, t on tape, not tape the game, not be there and tape it, what, what porn man uh, Connor Stallions did, the porn name guy. You can't do that. But you can watch a TV tape or the, the coach's tape or be at the game and look and, t and steal signs. And then it's incumbent on the other team to change their signs. It's been like this forever. We had coaches mm -hmm. in the 60s and 70s talking about how they used to try and steal each other's signs. This is not something new, and it's not going to end. There's just a line that was crossed that made it illegal. And, of course, there's an advantage. I know, I know uh, Deion Sanders said, we can mail you the playbook. You still have to execute. That's true, but the guy who, who the coach who's the sign stealer for this team who wrote the article, he said, yeah, I heard Dion say that. He said, I wish we played Colorado, and I'll let him know just how much of an advantage it is when we know the play <laughs> that they're going to run. And he's right. Yeah, I would say that would be a pretty yes. big advantage. I think that's like the whole point it, on, it's, uh, it's, you know, film it is sessions. Exactly. <laughs> it is without question an advantage, but it's done all the time. Michigan just went too far in that situation. We'll, we'll see what happens to them, which is going to be nothing. And in the two-game suspension, remember when Harbaugh was suspended three games, he was still allowed to practice all week. And I know they have the yeah. game against Penn State. They're going to hammer Penn State. Penn State, Penn yeah. State, I don't think is as good as we think they are. They don't throw the ball very much vertical down the field. I know they're going to play at yeah. Happy Valley, which is a great place to go play a game. Michigan's just too good. They're too good, so... I don't see any effect happening from this at all. So this leads to the first college football rankings came out last week, and it was actually Ohio State uh, that was the uh, that was the top team in all of that, uh, ahead of Georgia, uh, Michigan, and um, FSU, Florida State. Florida State that were in there as well. <laughs> so giving giving you the chance right now where we are in the season of how the season may play out. Which four do you think? are going to get in? That's a good question. I mean, I would be surprised at this point if Florida State lost. Me too. I, although I wouldn't be that I wouldn't be that surprised. But, but I don't think they will. I think that they've, they've got a really solid shot. Like, they're playing well right now. I mean, Georgia is playing Mississippi this weekend, so that's a big game. But again, like, Mississippi has a, a good win over LSU, but they haven't played too much other, you know, big top talent. So I think Georgia will win that. Michigan, of course, like this is basically their preseason has now ended because they're playing Penn State this weekend. So we haven't seen them play really any quality opponents, but they're still 9-0. Uh, so, I mean, Ohio State is the one where Notre Dame losing to Clemson really hurts them because now that's a quality win that, um, you know, a game they barely won now is against a team that's 7-3 and three instead of 8-2. and two. So that will hurt them. Uh, and then you have Washington and Oregon. And I really think... Washington has the, the resume for it. If they win the, the Pac-12, they're in. But Oregon has been playing so well. Yes, they well. have. Um, and they play, they play USC this weekend. USC just fired their defensive coordinator. Um, so I expect Oregon to win that game and, and score a ton of points. Um, but, you know, they have the loss to Washington. So they're going to have a little bit more of a struggle to get in. But I do think they're one of the best four teams. And then there's Texas and Alabama. And Texas and Alabama are also, like, 
they're both really good. Texas quarterback is hurt, but they've got a really clear path now to winning the Big 12 now that Oklahoma has two losses. Um, as long as they keep winning, they had a, a really close game against Kansas State this weekend. But like, I, again, like it's really hard to say. Like, there's still three like really really important weekends left. But if I had to say it, if you're forcing me, I'm gonna say Georgia, Michigan, Florida State. And Washington, question mark? <laughs> I love that question mark. Okay. I don't Follow know. me here and tell me what you think. I think there's going to be two undefeated teams that I can say right now. There could be more, but I'm going to say Michigan and Florida State are undefeated. I think they're going to be undefeated. So they're, I, so they're, they're going to be in. Georgia, man, Alabama, Georgia. I think it's going to come down to that in the SEC title game. And Alabama, we know, can run the ball. Milrow had four touchdowns on the ground in the game against LSU. He was Georgia, awesome. a little, He's uh, so really, really is. But they can't pass. I mean, poor Tommy Reese, their old coordinator, yeah. has had a non-passing quarterbacks at Notre Dame last year and non-passing quarterbacks at Alabama this year, of which one of them is one of the quarterbacks he had at Notre Dame uh, last year or saw the field, <laughs> I think, one time. So that game, to me, is, is an iffy game. For Georgia, can Alabama pull off that? And then Washington, I picked Washington in my initial final four at the beginning of the season. But Jess, I'm with you. I think Oregon's playing better right now. And if they match up in the Pac-12 championship, I have a feeling Oregon could win that game, which would give them one loss and Washington one loss and and one loss apiece there. I think of the one-loss teams, Big 12's out. I think I think Oklahoma because right now it's Texas and Oklahoma State that would match up in the big in Big Twelve yeah. championship, not Oklahoma. And Oklahoma State's playing. They really are. Well. They they beat Oklahoma yep. this weekend. They've got this running back Ollie Incredible. Gordon. Incredible. Just a complete. He's a beast. But even yeah. even if Texas beats Oklahoma State, that's not going to be the win because if Oregon beats Washington and they're number five, if if Alabama beats Georgia, who was sitting at number two, they're going to be out. If so, let's just play that out. If you have two undefeateds, FSU and Michigan, they're in. If you have Alabama beats Georgia, so now they both have a loss, and Oregon beats Washington, does the Pac-12 get left out, and does Georgia and Alabama get in with FSU and Michigan, or is the loser of the SEC title game out and the big and the Pac-12 gets in? That to me is what it's going to come down yeah. to. I mean, I. As crazy as it sounds, like I, I wouldn't have said I wouldn't say this like any other year, but Oregon with one loss should just be in if they win out. I agree. They should be in, and and that would kick probably Washington out. Which well, yeah, they'll have beaten Washington, really right? Exactly. Yeah, but and but they have right. a head-to-head right. loss against Washington, and this is where it's like interesting because there's been seasons where three or four weeks out, it looks like something like this could happen. We could have six teams all either undefeated or with one loss and and kind of like overlapping head-to-head results and the committee's gonna have to make a tough decision the last like 10 years mike it's worked itself yes, out yeah, it so maybe it will work itself out this year but i'm with you because the last few years the, the pac-12 hasn't had a real contender in there so that's what's making it harder so you've got potentially you know the five power conferences all with a one or no loss team maybe a couple of them with two teams like that if, if alabama and georgia right. are both one loss teams um, so it's definitely tricky. And then what do you do if, you know, Alabama and Texas finish with the same record, but Texas, Texas beat, beat Alabama, right. are you going to put Alabama in? But 
they just beat Georgia. Exactly probably, right. So exactly. It's it's a real. It, it really is. It does play itself <laughs> out, but it's always fun to throw out scenarios. The one thing we know is there will be no discipline this year against Michigan that will affect their run for the national championship. And Tyler from Spartanburg feels that he is the reason Clemson was able to beat. Notre Dame this past weekend. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Coming up, we will jump to the NFL side of football. All right, Jess, before we get into the NFL, if you could pick one spot where you could go watch an NFL football game since they're playing this this global game now, they played for the first time in Germany uh, this past weekend, and they're going to keep trying to expand uh, to other places, I'm sure, and they've played in a lot of other places outside the U.S., if you, if they said, Jess, we'd like you to pick a spot where we want an NFL game, mm-hmm. where would you pick it? My living oh, room. God. Just like an array of Publix dips in front of me. The spinach dip, the buffalo chicken dip, the spinach artichoke dip. I've heard the jalapeno popper dip is very good. I haven't tried it yet. There's nowhere that you'd like to travel in the world where you could sightsee because it'd be great and then go watch an NFL game. Nowhere is as comfortable as my couch with an array of Publix dips in front God, of me. God, I hate me. you. But I hate I, I assume you have a different answer. So why don't you I'm going to go to, I'm going to go to like Greece. I was thinking Greece. That was like my, it was like my couch. Oh, and kind of, Greece, that, that, <laughs> nothing in, that's a wide, wide area there. Because I, I, you've traveled around a bit, haven't you? I mean, isn't there a place that you just fell in love? I want to travel more. I haven't done it enough. You know what? I think Australia would be really cool to watch an NFL game. It's far, but they just hosted the Women's World Cup, and the atmosphere was incredible. And there, it's a huge rugby country, obviously. Yeah, yeah. So maybe that would translate a little bit. That's so a, let's let's go. That's that. a long haul, and you got to stay there for a while as well. And I'd like to yeah. know. I'm sightseeing for a week. I, I'd like to know, and I, I don't know the answer to this. Isn't that the place that has the most things that could freaking kill you? The most poisonous things out there? They have spiders there that are like this big. Yeah, You've got kangaroos nasty. that will it, box you and hit you. I mean, yeah. let alone the snakes <laughs> and the spiders. That, that's the only thing that freaks yeah. me out about Australia. I mean, not that I'm going to go, you know, live out, you know, in the... Do a, or I'm going to do a walkabout, you know, and uh, and and have that mm-hmm. kind of issue. But there's dingoes. But yeah, I heard. Too. I heard that there's a lot of lot of stuff that can kill you out there. But it looks it looks beautiful. Yeah. I, I would like to go visit that. The place I never expected to go cover a football game. This is and I called the game myself. I was out there with uh, Chris Mortensen, and 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 we went to as a preseason game in Japan. That was wild Ooh. because I mean, just the language barrier, they don't, you don't even try to bridge it because in Japan, when you go to eat somewhere, all they just have pictures and you just point, you just point, you just point and they bring that and that's it. I had a great time, you know, eating their food and drinking their sake and uh, we had a lot of fun mm. out there. Think of the best thing, you know, you think of like a Benihana's where you sit around the table and they have the thing there. Well, the real ones like in Japan, I mean, they're unbelievable how they put those. Obviously, they're going to put it by It's a shame. That sounds ridiculous even saying. But it is <laughs> stunning how cool those places are out there. Had a ball out there, but never expected to go to Japan for an NFL game. That's pretty cool. So my boyfriend Lee shot a, a soccer documentary in, in Japan a few years ago. And it looked awesome. So that is definitely on our uh, our our short list of places that we need to visit. But again, it's like a fourteen hour. I know it is long. God forbid we're not sitting in your living room eating some dips and chip. I I don't think they have spinach dip there from Publix. Do like that though. 
It's that really is. good. If you ever come back yeah. to Miami and visit yeah. me, I will we'll do a, like a That's little what the thing is. You're going to splurge and hit Publix and get me some spinach dip? Wow. Thanks, Jess. <laughs> yeah. I got you. I'll show you all the best places in South Florida. We can go to Flanagan's with Rohan. Remember, he was telling us about the rock yes. and rolls. And then we'll come home and I have I like some that. Dips. And you know what else we're going to do? I'm going to kick your ass on the pickleball court. <laughs> all right. So NFL, what? Where? where are we going after this week? I mean, probably good San Francisco had the week off after three losses in a row. We've had them pegged as the best team for a while, but everybody's trying to put their finger on what's wrong with them, you know, because Brock Purdy isn't playing like Joe Montana anymore. I, I got to believe now injuries came into play as well, O-line, Debo Samuel as mm -hmm. well, Trent Williams. But you had to believe at some point, right, Brock Purdy, when it's not all on him. Though in the three losses in a, in a row, I think it was four touchdowns, five interceptions, the defense hasn't been what it's been um, normally for them, they pick up Chase Young. So we'll see how he is added to the pack. But for Brock Purdy, you know, it's almost like it, it became unfair expectations on what we think of him because he's been playing so well. Yeah, it's like the you can never just be good in the yeah. NFL. You have to be awesome or everyone's going to just like find reasons to be mad at you. Um, and so he, he did so well last year and at the start of this year that everyone was like, when is the other shoe going to drop? This guy can't be this good. But you're, like you said, there's been injuries. There's been reasons why maybe he's fallen back down to earth a little bit. I think it's like, it's very interesting how the season, we're in the week 10 now, I guess, like week seven, just, or week nine, I mean, just ended. And we're about like halfway there, a little more than halfway there. We've all come to the consensus, I think, as fans and as media that like, we're not really sure who is great yeah. this year but we know there's a handful of really good teams. And I still think San Francisco yep. is one of those really good teams. I don't, I wouldn't want to play them again. I certainly want to, wouldn't want to play them in the playoffs, but I think there's, you know, watching Kansas city struggle a little bit in the second half against Miami, made me kind of have, have pause about them watching Miami lose yeah. to Kansas city yeah. in Germany. You have to, you know, think about the fact that they haven't beat a team right. with a winning record yet, even though they are still very good. They have a very good offense, especially. And then there's the Eagles and the Eagles beat the Cowboys uh, so, you know, get, you get credit for winning that game, but maybe there's still some things here and there that you don't feel super confident in. So it's week 10. And I, the only thing that I am certain about, which I was very iffy about at the beginning of the season is that CJ Stroud is really good. Mike. I mean, 470 yards and five touchdowns. The guy has 14 touchdowns and one interception as a rookie and not a rookie like Brock Purdy on the 49ers that has a ton of talent yeah. around you. He's with a Houston team who is playing above their skis right now, right? Don't you think, mm -hmm. what are they sitting at, four and four? Four, four and four, four yeah. and I don't think anybody, I think they're over under for wins was like three or four. And they're eight games in and have four wins already. What D'Amico Ryans has that team buying into there, and C.J. Stroud uh, has been really, really amazing. So what they have to build on there is unbelievable. That kid is unflappable. Uh, what a game that was. First, you get Baker Mayfield leading them down on a touchdown drive. Old Baker, you know, doing his thing. 46 seconds ago on a rookie quarterback, and you need a touchdown. Yeah, sure, no problem. And, oh, oh by the way, two of the two of the hookups will be with our rookie wide receiver, Tank Dell, as well. Yeah. So, And our, our backup yeah. fullback will kick a – Exactly. I mean, uh, how, how cool. Yeah, Arike Agumbo's yes. brother, which is so funny. But, Mike, I'm going to turn the tables on you now because you asked me who you think my final four in college right. football will be. And I, I, did not, I do not feel confident about my answer, but who are going to be the four teams – 
in the conference championship games if you had to decide right now at you know in the beginning of the season i picked philly and detroit to be in the nfc championship game uh i certainly like detroit they're sitting there at six and two but i think it's going to be philly detroit or san francisco i can't see another team making that run you know can we say the cowboys the Vikings now. I mean, Josh Dobbs, that was a great story, but but let's not think that that's going to continue uh, too long. But what an incredible story to come in after the trade and do what he did after the rookie got hurt. Uh, I mean, anybody in the NFC South? No. Seattle? I don't I don't really trust them to make that kind of run. They got their butts kicked this they, weekend. They did, yes. Yeah. So I think it's one of those three teams, Philly, Detroit, and San Francisco. So I'll stick with my two in the NFC, because, you know, do I think Detroit could get there over San Fran? Eh, I, I might lean to San Fran because I know San Fran will start to get back to what they were. But I'll stick with it. I'll say Philly and Detroit in the NFC Championship game, which I predicted in the beginning with Philly going back to the Super Bowl. And in the AFC, the top three keeps changing, right? Um, it, 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 it had normally been Buffalo and Cincinnati and Kansas City. Well, Kansas City had stayed there, but then Buffalo had been out or Cincy had been out and Miami had been in and, and Baltimore had been in. So I think right now it's as deep as we said the AFC was. I don't think it's as deep. Buffalo is still tough to trust. Miami hasn't beaten a winning team yet. So I still think it's Kansas City right out of the gate. I think Cincinnati is starting to peak and hit the back half mm -hmm. of, the, of the season on the offensive side. So like I said, three teams in the NFC in Philly and Detroit and San Francisco, I'll say three teams in the AFC, which is uh, Kansas City, Cincinnati, and Baltimore. Baltimore is playing well, always a tough defense. The Todd Munkin offense with Lamar seems to be working uh, pretty well there. So it's tough for me, though, just still not to say that Kansas City isn't going to come out of the AFC. So will it be Cincinnati or Baltimore that they play in the AFC championship game? I probably give the nod to Cincinnati hitting their stride and being there again. Mm -hmm. And I think I actually had, I think I had Cincinnati and Philly uh, in the Super Bowl with Philly winning, or I might've had a rematch, but I had Philly winning either way uh, in the Super Bowl this okay. year. Well, so, I mean, do you, do you have a final four? Uh, mine's probably pretty similar to yours. I mean, so Philly still has the best record right now at eight and one, but the Ravens have been, the Ravens and the Bengals have both really turned yep. things around the last couple of weeks. And some of the Ravens offensive issues were things earlier in the season that you'd think like, they're not going to keep screwing this up the whole season. Like they're, they're, they're just making mistakes that once they figure them out, they'll be solid. So right now the Ravens are sitting at a top of the AFC North division, but the AFC North is now projected. Like if the season ended today, I think yes. all four of those teams yes. would make the playoffs, which is crazy. So the Ravens and the Bengals both will have to play, you know, the Steelers and the Browns again and each other. So that might actually kind of work itself out in some way. And we might end up with only one of those teams actually being uh, really solid record wise. But I, I don't know, once you get in the playoffs, you just yep. have to be able to beat other teams up. And I think Cincinnati's proven that they're pretty capable of that. So maybe maybe Cincinnati and Kansas City for me because I'm with you. I'm not I'm not taking the Chiefs out of anything. They they lost to the Broncos and they weren't electric on a right. really hard like road trip in 
Germany, but I won't knock them for Pat Mahomes having the flu and uh, for not having an, an awesome second half. They they still won that one, and it was a big win for them. So you, you get credit. Hottest for teams game. in the NFL right now, uh, Baltimore and Cincinnati, both on four-game winning streaks, and Jacksonville is on a five-game winning streak. But I don't know how much I trust them as we're talking actual playoffs, uh, but we'll see. Uh, they seem to be putting it together now. Last thing in the NFL I want to ask you. Next year, the first time the Eagles have a third and one or a fourth a fourth and one, will they be able to use their brotherly shove or will it be outlawed? Uh, I think they will be. I don't I don't think they're going to outlaw it. I think I've seen too many teams, like especially the Giants, not convert on them that it would be silly to outlaw it if, if you know, if all things are equal. The Phillies just very good at 100% it. hundred percent agree. I think you are spot on that – because other teams have tried it and failed. There are teams, the Giants had two old linemen hurt when they tried it one time. Yeah, it was, it was ugly. I still, Jesse, as a, as a former D lineman, I still watch these teams try and defense this thing. And it still blows my mind. I saw a couple of linebackers, including Micah Parsons, try this in their last game. Dive over the top. When, as soon as they leave their feet, think of surfing a wave. Because that's all they're yes, doing. Yes, that's exactly what they're it looks on top like. of yes. a human Philadelphia Eagle wave and just getting pushed forward. I can't believe they're still doing it. If if I were defending this, because nothing has worked. And oh, by the way, Philadelphia has run a, a, another play off at that counter play. But still, I would get a guy, one of my D linemen. I would stand him up right behind the nose tackle or the guy that's down low on either side of the center, those two guys. And I would have a linebacker behind that guy and I would push yeah. him. I would, I would yeah. push into one another. Stop leaving your feet. It's not going to work. It's not so going to work. Get the D line low to try and, and stop the momentum going and push guys from the linebacker position. But I would put a D lineman there for like a, like a Jordan Davis size D lineman who's playing on another team, <laughs> put him there and push him in. To that yeah, part. turn it into like a, a tug of war, like, like a, a scrum in rugby, some... right? I mean, when they're pushing against yeah. one well, another. Yeah, rugby people get mad when you misuse the terminology of of rugby. I'm sorry, am I am I misusing? Maybe maybe it was accurate. Uh, I don't know because I've just been yelled at. Listen, so many times I mean it in a positive wrong. way. I love rugby, and I understand <laughs> all you rugby players think we're a bunch of wusses because we wear pads when we play. And I'm not going to argue with you at all because you'll kick my ass. So I'm cool with that. I mean it as a compliment. But I am with you. I don't yes, see any way course. they can outlaw it because one team does it well and other teams don't. So it would be it, very. Silly. It would absolutely, absolutely. All right, coming up. We are going to do uh, – we, we started the college basketball on a tough way for our uh, Notre Dame women's team in Paris. But also, I want to talk a little F1, but not so much for the racing part of it, but how the F1 technology, Jess, has helped my golf game. That's coming up next. Yeah. All right, Jess, uh, we add another sport to the mix as we had the sports mm -hmm. equinox. What was it, last Monday? When all four yeah. of the majors were playing, the World Series played, and, and Monday Night Football, and then obviously basketball and hockey going on right now. Now we've thrown college mm -hmm. basketball into the mix. And the last um, Notre Dame home game I was at, we do these play like a champion luncheon where athletes come and I get to interview them and, and talk to them in front of a, a bunch of people so you can get to know them. And had a couple of football players, Benjamin Morrison and, and Audrick Estime on the football side, and a couple of the women's basketball players. Uh, and they were talking about going to Paris for the game against South Carolina. What a cool thing 
that had to be for both yeah. teams uh, to head out there to, to uh, Paris and play a game that you just love to play. It's very, very neat, uh, except it didn't go very well. Uh, for the Notre Dame women. I was watching this. I, w- I was at a, at a place getting my knee worked on a little bit, and I'm watching Notre Dame winning this game like 28, 26, whatever, right in that area. And next thing I know, it was just an absolute ass whooping. I'm like, oh, my God, what the hell happened? And the second quarter happened, you know, where South Carolina yeah. just decimated Notre Dame. Yeah, South Carolina is a, a really good yes. team. And, you know, I thought I thought Notre Dame would be good, too. And I think they are good. But Notre Dame's got their best player right now yeah. on the bench, Olivia right. Miles. She's got, you know, we talked to Neil Ivy a few weeks ago. And her timeline's pretty unclear. But it seems like she will not be back in, in any short-term period. So Notre Dame's uh, freshman, Hannah Hidalgo, who is a player that has been hyped all summer, comes in at guard and she's a freshman playing her first game in Paris against South Carolina. And she was awesome. Mike. I thought she totally lived up to the hype in this game, broke a record for the most points by a freshman in a game. And then the Notre Dame men's basketball team uh, played last night and their freshman broke a record for Notre Dame for points by a freshman too. So really exciting futures yes. for these teams looking ahead, but this is going to be, no, I mean, it's a, it's a really, really tough opponent to open your season with like South Carolina yep. is totally legit and their players are tall and they are big and they are just like, I mean, Don Staley's a hall of fame head coach. Like that, that's a really tough way to open your season when you're starting a new rotation, but, but Notre Dame's going to have to work a little bit. They're going to have to kind of get some, be able to generate some offense against yeah. teams like this and figure out a way to work around when they have a little bit of a height advantage. Yeah. Hannah Hidalgo was one of the young ladies that was at this luncheon that I got to talk to and uh, great to talk to, as you mentioned, incoming freshman, just all huge star coming out of high school. I think the fifth top prospect coming in the country uh, had 31 points, just, you know, the lights were not too bright. Uh, for her as a freshman. How about though LSU, the number one team in the country, number one last year and getting in some big time in the transfer portal. And they, they end up getting smoked by Colorado. That was, that was pretty wild. That I mean, I, you know, I thought it might be a, a close game because Colorado was a sweet 16 team and they right, brought back right. a lot of their players this year, but I didn't expect Colorado to like totally blow them out. Like, it was like the, the primetime game and the opening day and LSU didn't have a lot of answers for them. So um, I, I really like, I'm not, I'm not that worried about Notre Dame. I'm definitely not worried about LSU. I think like they both have tons of talent on their team. I mean, especially LSU getting Haley Van Lith and Anisha right. Morrow in the portal. Like they're, they just need some time to gel and, and I think things will come together for that. But um, tough, Tough opening. Really, really was. Uh, heading over to F1, um, nothing really to talk about as of late. Max Verstappen, Max Verstappen keeps beating everybody. But in a couple of yep. weeks or like 10 days from now or so from us taping this is the F1 race in Vegas. Now, I'm going to Vegas yes. this Sunday to do the Jets at the Raiders. And from what I understand, I mean, so much change is they've taken down you know, trees that are on the sidewalk and dud stuff to the bridges going over that. They're just reshaping it all for this. It's going to be unbelievable. And I'm so glad I'm there a week before, nowhere near it. So I don't have to deal with that. Unless <laughs> I was going as a fan, I would love that. But that, that, that seems to be on everybody's radar of just how well Las Vegas can pull this off. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. There's been a ton of articles and news stories about how some of the Vegas locals are no, not they're super not. pleased with changes that F1's making and all the construction and, and just how crazy it's going to be. And I think 
fans of the sport have been apprehensive about this race since it was announced because it's going to be a street race, which means generally it's harder to overtake on those circuits. So it might be a little bit less exciting. Um, and also, you know, it's in the States. A lot of fans are, are not super happy that there's so many races in the U.S. now. That's a whole separate conversation. Um, but also just like, you know, it, it, this race, it, it could be kind of like how Miami was the first year where it was like a little bit uh, unorganized right. and and not didn't go super smoothly. So I, we'll see. I'm, I'm so looking forward to Let me to go back to it. what you just said. And I didn't know this about the course. I mean, is it going to be like Monaco where you basically aren't going to be able to pass anybody? I, I don't like that. It's, it's very, yeah, it's possible. I mean, they're, they're racing right down the strip. So I, I don't know exactly how it will play out, but generally the street circuit races have been really tight races and really hard to overcome. Okay. On. All right. Well, I mean, I, I can't wait yeah. for the spectacle of it all. They're talking about top floors of hotels like penthouses that look down on the race track going for like a million bucks. I mean, it's yeah. just crazy. Well, well the, the money in this sport anyway the, is, is crazy. It's yeah. bananas. Yeah, it's totally bananas. There, there's also been a pretty significant price drop to some tickets oh, that really? I've seen. Like they maybe overestimated oh. how many people would i mean how could many pay people that amount generally right. can pay like two thousand dollars a night i don't right I don't know. right right Sorry we know you can me. but uh, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh with willows there you I go <laughs> so here is how f1 has helped my golf game jess i am a slicer off the off the tee sometimes worse sometimes decent but but for the most part i slice i i got suckered in by a, a hank haney kind of infomercial about a club that <laughs> stops the slice. And, okay, oh. it's called the uh, the SF1, okay? And it uses F1 technology with, with kind of really? wind drafting. So what it does is when you swing down on this, the airflow makes the toe of the club stay in and not, not go out. It makes it stay in more hmm. so your club face supposedly doesn't open up and slice the ball. That's supposed to be one of the fixes of the slice is this is aerodynamically made so the toe stays in. And that's from F1 technology. So I am going to be, I'm already an F1 fan, Jess. But let me tell you wow. what. Now, Mike slices, my son Mike, my son Jake slices, my son-in-law Ben, uh, Sydney's husband. They're about to go on parents in two weeks, by the way. He slices. They all hit it a ton, but they slice it. If this works... I will be buying each of them one of these clubs for Christmas. <laughs> but I, my okay. wife is just disgusted with me that I got suckered into an infomercial and spent money on this. I feel dirty doing it, but I'm going with the F1 technology, Jess, and hoping it pulls through. I'm glad that it's working for you. I just think that is it, is it not like a little bit cheating not to just like try to fix your swing to try to use like performance enhancing Let me ask you a question, Jess. Let me ask you a question. Am I on the PGA tour? Enough said. No. Don't care. I don't care what piece of equipment comes out. If it makes me play better and and it, it's it's not legal for the PGA, but us, us amateurs can use it, I'm using it because I don't give a damn. I'm not playing anybody for money here, man. And no, And nobody said this is an illegal club. <laughs> That's fair. I mean, I think our, our next present for you then should be getting like a giant cup to put on top of the actual hole just to make putting I would have easier. no problem with that at all, and I would not feel bad one bit. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, 
and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.